Support for MPB comes from the Mississippi Museum of Art in Jackson. What Became of Dr. Smith by artist Noah Satterstrom is on view now through September 22, 2024. Learn more at msmuseumart.org. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. It's made possible in part by contributions from podcast listeners. Please consider making a contribution by going to the Donate Now tab at mpbonline.org. Thanks for your financial support. Hey, welcome to the Arts Hour. I'm Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. This is the Arts Commission's weekly turn at the microphone here at MPB. Each week we come to you with a different... Uh, a long-term, a long-form discussion, excuse me, a long-form discussion uh, with different creative Mississippians. We talk to artists, we talk to musicians, craftspeople, as well as people who help promote the arts in their community. Today we're going to be talking about music with our guest, Marta Shlubovska. She is a longtime uh, musician in the central Mississippi area. She's been with the Mississippi Symphony. She's led several groups on her own. Marta, welcome. Thanks so Thank much for coming. You. Thank you so much, Larry, for having me. Well, uh, people who have gone to the uh, Mississippi Symphony and maybe over the past 15 years or uh, been out seeing classical music throughout central Mississippi, I'm sure have seen you at some point perform. But tell people who are maybe more farther flung a little bit about yourself in terms of uh, where you've been performing, the, you know, some of the groups that you've worked with, just to kind of give us a, a sense of what you've been doing. Okay. Thank you so much. Um, well, I moved to Mississippi uh, in 2004. And um, after being hired for a concertmaster position with the Mississippi Symphony Orchestra, and I've been uh, in that position up till now, um, I've decided to move on with other projects, and um, I'm very happy to have been part of this wonderful organization. Um, so for the years that I was here with the symphony, that was kind of my primary um, job and position, and that's how I have become known, I think, in the community and we also had the string quartet that I was part of, and I also organized some other concerts like recitals. I uh, taught at Millsaps College and um, did recitals there very often. Um, the group from Millsaps actually traveled also uh, abroad to South America, and so we had some wonderful, wonderful things going on with that. Um, so yes, I've I've always enjoyed playing as a soloist as well, as a concertmaster, and I love chamber music too. So. I kind of like everything. Excellent. <laughs> and teaching, some teaching. <laughs> Excellent. So you uh, you grew up in Poland. Yes. And you were in a musical family growing up. Correct. T- tell us ab- about kind of your, your early years and when you got, I'd seen, I'm, I would imagine since your parents were musicians, this came to you early in terms of when you got started as in, in, into music yourself. Yes, yes. Uh, my parents, Danuta and Janusz Lubowski, uh, they're both uh, pianists. They met at the conservatory in Warsaw and they created a piano duo. So they were a piano duo when I was born. <laughs> um, and I grew up in Poland. I was born and raised in Warsaw, Poland. And yes, uh, I was early introduced to piano, of course, and uh, ear training, things like that, that I was able to, to sing and uh, be surrounded by music. The violin came uh, a couple of years after I started piano. I, I showed interest in violin meeting some some of my parents' friends playing violin. And I thought violin was really fun. So I requested violin for Christmas when I was five, I believe. That's what, I, that's what I'm told. <laughs> and from then on, uh, I played both instruments through, through high school. Um, and I continued playing as a secondary instrument after that. 
but um, I wasn't really sure if I was going to be pianist or a violinist, although violin was really what my parents felt was probably a better choice, better future. They thought that they were kind of alone as pianists because there are very few actual opportunities to play in a group as a pianist, and they really both loved the orchestra idea. And so I think I kind of inherited that gene that they really wanted that orchestra to be part of their lives, which they did some, but as a pianist, you don't have that many opportunities. So, um, yes, and I went to, my parents both taught at a school, uh, elementary and middle music schools where I attended. And so I spent my days at the school waiting for my parents and practicing and playing with friends and rehearsing. So it was, uh, I was really surrounded by music and friends that were in music. How how old were you when you kind of started thinking about it as, you know, maybe something that you would do as a career? I think it was about when I was about 12. Um, my orchestra from Liceum, uh, like a lycée, I don't know how to say it in English, uh, music school that was, had all the subjects in it, music and math and everything else. So it was all in one building and they were all um, alternating classes. So music was alternating with math and geography and um, and we went on a tour we had a really good orchestra and we went on a tour to England and I was a soloist doing Bach concerto um, and I remember how much more I needed to practice and how much more I felt I needed to be prepared and there was pressure but there was also that excitement of being uh, featured and seeing meeting new audiences and new country and culture and all that so I think after that time I seem to remember that's when I really started to practice more and I also um, very soon after that I applied to some uh, festivals in the United States so that really uh, propelled me mm-hmm. to to that yes now now as a performer you do kind of try to focus on and, and bring more awareness to Polish composers when you were growing up was that I would assume kind of was was that part of kind of the, the, the musical literature that you guys were studying? Were Polish composers uh, highlighted or focused in your kind of, in your schooling environment? Or is that something you picked up later? I'm sure it was when I was growing up. But uh, my parents, as a piano duo, they performed quite a bit of Polish music. I remember going to their concerts. And I'm sure I did too. I do remember playing some other composers like Bartok and... Vivaldi and all these other international masters. Um, and Batsevich, which is a Polish composer that I'm kind of obsessed with right now, Polish woman composer. Um, Szymanowski was another one. So yes, of course, being there, uh, growing up, those composers were kind of like the, f- the first choice, you know, one of the first choices. Uh, but now being far away from home, my old home, I think I'm appreciating it even more and, and exploring it more. So oh, That's great. I think that yeah. brings some personality to your recordings and your performances. So sure. I think that's Thank really you. great. Uh, if you're, you're listening to the Arts Hour today, I'm Larry Morrissey, and our guest today is Marta Szlubowska. She's a violinist and a, a, a group leader and a recording artist, a soloist based here in central Mississippi, and a member of the Mississippi Arts Commission's Artist Roster. Correct. We enjoy yes. having you And as thank well. you, Larry, by the way, for pronouncing my name so beautifully. I don't know where you got it. You taught me last time. But it was it was a while since I taught you, so yeah. I'm very impressed. See, I, I I worked on it and then I write it down and I look uh, at it. It's when the I practice. Say it. Yeah, yes, I yes, practice. practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
No problem. Um, well, in terms of like, uh, we're going to move to your kind of when you come to the States in just a second, but in terms of like now thinking back, are there specific kind of like um, in terms of learning music and kind of the, the teaching tradition in, in Poland that you think is distinctive or something that you got that, you, you know, you had and you got here and it was like your American counterparts didn't weren't strong in this area or whatever? I'm just wondering if there's, you know, any kind of specific to the tradition in Poland. Well, I, I think so. Um, what the main difference is between uh, where I grew up in, in Poland and here, the difference I noticed was that I was trained um, from the beginning. Since I was six years old, I went to music school, which means I had music theory. I had, I don't think I had history at the time. I might have uh, a little bit. And music, uh, ear training, which is singing and learning notes and writing and learning intervals and distances between notes and sounds and everything, instruments. So I think doing that at that early age was really, really important. I find that, um, I think there's some places in America that do that, but it's not uniform and it's a big country. So every state, every university, every you know area has something different. But in Poland, being in the capital in Warsaw, I, um, I was transferred to a really good school at, when I was in, grade five, I think. But from the very beginning, like I said, from uh, grade one, I had these classes. And I think that really helped me develop my ear and also playing the piano. I think piano is extremely important. If if anybody listening wants to play violin and they've never played, even an, as an adult, uh, I think piano is a really great counterpart to it because uh, that's how you can train your ear quickly without having to practice singing <laughs> if you don't want to but being in a chorus you know that's that's fantastic too so I think that really helped a lot and also having listened to music uh, as a young child recordings and in person I mean I was watching my parents practicing at home every day and their discipline and um, and the sound I remember being a baby under the piano <laughs> walking around because my parents were in some situations that they had to practice two separate programs in one room because they were, they didn't have their own home yet. They didn't have, mm -hmm. you know, in Eastern Bloc country in communist Poland, you had to wait for your apartment. They waited five years after they got married to get their own place. So they lived with their parents and they had two grand pianos and I would crawl underneath that piano. I don't know how I didn't lose my hearing, but, <laughs> but I remember that experience of them just cacophony, you know, of two separate programs. Sometimes my mom would pra practice silently and my dad would play out loud and then vice versa. And they just, they became amazing with their memory too. Anyway, that's kind of a side story, but no, um, that's an amazing story. But yeah, it's—I I think all of that really formed me as an artist. And um, listening to so many concerts in my school, you know, my my friends, my age, and then uh, teachers and everybody. So having that music school experience, I think, was really important. So when it became time to go to college, you came to this. That's when you first came to the states, right? And so how did that? How did that come about? Well, actually, I came to the states um, first time when I was fourteen years old. So yeah. I was still in, in uh, what seventh, eighth grade or something, eighth grade. And we knew um, my parents had a colleague who worked at Interlochen Music Festival, music camp it was called at the time, and he let us know there were scholarships available and I should audition. And uh, that's a festival in Michigan. It was about 3,000 students. It was huge, comparing to where I was in a smaller school. Um, so I was 14 when I came for the first time to the States on a scholarship to Interlochen. And that's where I, I was like just in shock. Uh, 
in a good shock <laughs> with the amount of music and uh, the orchestra. Uh, the whole orchestra idea was not as developed where I was. I was mostly cons- um, focused on solo music, you know, solo playing. So when I came to Interlock and there was this orchestra, every week we had a different program. And I was only 14 and I was thrown into, you know, Brahms symphony, Tchaikovsky symphonies, huge programs once every week. So um, there was a great, great uh, uh, experience. It was two months, so I was very homesick. Um, didn't know the language that well. So, uh, But fortunately, the gentleman who helped us uh, learn about Interlock and he was the only Polish person there. I was, I remember there was a list of all the students on like outside, uh, on a, on a board, kind of like a, like a uh, blackboard. And there was one at the bottom, Poland. It was one. That was me. <laughs> <laughs> the next year I came, two years later I came, I think there were th- maybe, no, I think I was the only one also. After, after that, like a few years later, some Polish people started coming. Um, the, the borders were opening up more and everything. Um, but yeah, so that was my first experience with America and everybody was saying, oh, this is not America. This is like La La Land, you know, like, like, uh, idealistic. But I thought that was incredible just meeting, you know, people from a different culture and, and the musicians. That was very, very inspiring. So that was my first experience when I was 14. This is Larry Morrissey. Thanks for listening to the podcast version of the Mississippi Arts Hour. The show is broadcast on MPB's statewide radio network on Sundays at 5 p.m. For access to all our past shows, please subscribe to the Arts Hour on your favorite podcasting app. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. We're back on the Arts Hour. I'm Larry Morrissey and our guest today is Marta Shlubowska. She is a violinist and a group leader and a soloist based here in central Mississippi. Um... So when we left, so maybe if you could just talk a little bit about your, um, you know, your your undergraduate or your you know your schooling years here in the in the states in terms of how that helped develop you as a as a musician because you had I think multiple teachers right that kind Correct. of were very kind of your mentors in terms of building you as a professional. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Um, well, I came to the states um, when I was seventeen years old. Uh, I was a little bit earlier. I, I got scholarship to Peabody Conservatory of Music, and um, my previous teacher, my my actually I should start with my teacher in Poland because he really was the one that helped me get that scholarship. If I didn't have this tough teacher early on, um, uh, there would be no chance of that. So Janusz Szok was his name, and the word shock you know, makes you think of shock. And le- really, he was very temperamental, but uh, he actually did not take girls as students. He thought they were not able to. Survive him, so it took a couple of years before he actually uh, agreed to teach me. Um, but it was uh, very intense and also uh, very very beneficial. I was able to perform as a soloist um, with orchestra and learn a lot of repertoire. So when I came to the United States, I was way on the way uh, to like winning some competitions and um, having a really great teacher. And so I studied with a couple of teachers at Peabody. 
um, Charles Liebhoff, who was from New York, and Bill Sanofsky, who was the winner of Queen Elizabeth competition in Belgium. So he was um, very, very inspiring and just had tremendous technique and, and musicality. So, um, so those teachers, I switched in the middle because I felt the first teacher, I took what I could from him. And it was not a pleasant situation, but it just had had to be done. And sometimes when students have to switch, you know, they, they have to have a good reason, obviously, but um, that was that was what I needed to do. And then the second teacher really progressed me, like catapulted me into a completely different level. Uh, so I really made the right decision. And um, so I also attended, uh, entered some competitions at Peabody and won two of them. And that really helped me be promoted and perform more as a soloist with orchestra. So I really loved that, loved that experience. And then at Peabody, I also continued to um, artist diploma, which is a graduate degree there. That's very, very prestigious. And they always question you, are you mature enough to do this degree? That's what they questioned me because I was uh, quite virtuosic. You know, I wanted to like show off and, and all that, but they were, they were looking also the music quality in, in a person, the deeper quality. So. I did make it, so, but uh, it was it was a challenging uh, audition, so I remember that experience. Wow, um, you mentioned, and it's it's in your biography, like, talking about these different competitions. Talk mm-hmm. about the importance of these competitions. I mean, you see it if you look at any kind of uh, soloist's biography. They talk about well, this competition, that competition. Mm-hmm. What what's the importance of that for the young performer? You know, performing in those and and winning those and that. Mm-hmm. Well, winning is always ideal, sure, but yeah. there are too many of us to win every time. Um, there's a, there's a lot of competition out there. So many fabulous players. So, um, like I said, the Polish the training in Eastern Europe I think really helped me win those competitions, especially at first. And um, the competitions are um, challenging in a sense that you have to have the right personality. I don't think I really had like. right personality for it, but I did some of them. I did uh, Carl Flesch in England. I did Sibelius in Finland, and uh, they're all international competitions. Wieniawski was another one in Poland, and Queen Elizabeth. So I did four big ones. I didn't win any of them, but I progressed to several stages, through stages, and um, um, that was what happens with competitions. You have to prepare so much music, and... I think some people do more competitions than I, so they get even better at preparing and actually having that repertoire and having performed it many, many times. The pressure is kind of like what they say about the diamond, right? The diamond is created with pressure. So you've got to have that pressure to some degree. And sometimes it's painful, but you've just got to move on and um, and continue if you, if you want to. I continued competitions until I uh, was too old because they have an age limit, 28 usually. 30, I think, was, Fenyavsky was maybe 29. So there's more pressure as you get older. It's like, oh, maybe I should win this one finally. And like, maybe you don't, you know. But um, it really develops you. If you take it right with the right attitude that this is for growth, it will it will help you grow. And that's the main reason. If you win, that's amazing because then you get a career. Sometimes some people win too early and they're maybe too immature to actually have a career like that. So they may burn out. Um, I think I, I felt like I was doing just the right pace. Even though I didn't win anything, I did get opportunity to perform. Like at the Wieniawski competition, uh, I was in the semifinals and 
several of us got opportunities to get a tour after the competition. So we toured Poland for like two weeks and we got to play the repertoire that we played in the competition. So that was, I think, amazing. The same thing with, with Queen Elizabeth. They had um, they didn't have a tour, but they had master classes for people who were in the semifinals. They had a whole week at this castle and they got to play for great, great, uh, the jury members actually, because that was the week that uh, people who were progressing to finals had to learn another concerto. So the fin- semifinalists were doing master classes. So that was really amazing as well. So uh, for those of you students um, aspiring, competitions are good as long as you have a good attitude that it will help you progress um, and grow as a musician. So you, they should do it. They should give it a yeah, try. Yeah, sure. You're listening to the Arts Hour, and our guest today is Marta Shlubowska, and she is a uh, violinist, as as you can hear. And uh, so uh, let's now. You've had you had some professional teaching and other positions prior to coming to to Mississippi, but in interest of time, we're going to skip to the MSO. And so you came to MS. Did, did you come to MSO as the concert master, or did you kind of work into that? After oh you yeah, got here? that that was yes. I, I okay. was leaving my previous position. Uh, um, I, I didn't have a full-time position when I was living in the previous location in Minnesota. I was playing with Minnesota Orchestra. I was a finalist there for a position, and so they hired me as a sub. So I played a lot with Minnesota Orchestra, which was a fabulous experience. Um, but at a certain point, I needed to, to move on uh, to my own full-time job, and so I auditioned for Mississippi Symphony, and I was planning to audition for other orchestras, but Mississippi Symphony was so welcoming, I just could not beat it besides just uh, a, um, a really good organization. I really like the element of education in it um, and just the amount of amount of concerts. So it was like perfect match because I was still able to do other things. It wasn't like every week four concerts like Chicago Symphony or something. This was, this gave me room to be also a soloist and chamber musician. So I really loved that opportunity. And the teaching, uh, I didn't really teach that much, but um, I loved that element of the symphony, uh, the education element that we did. Uh, we had a string quartet that played in schools, 40, about 40 schools a year. And they continue doing that, obviously, after I'm gone. Um, so that's really impressed me. And uh, they were so welcoming, so happy to to have me um, audition that I, I just took it. I was like, all right. <laughs> all right, it's still here. <laughs> Made me well, very happy. For people who aren't as familiar with symphonic music, talk about the role of the concertmaster and what, like, what your job is as concertmaster. Um, my my role as a concertmaster um, is quite uh, multi-dimensional. Okay, uh, because of course you're playing, you're leading the symphony, so you're leading really the whole orchestra. You're kind of the representative of the whole orchestra, but you're leading the string section with your body language and with how you play, of course, with your with your performance. Um, you also do the bowings so that you edit the music for the entire year, which means um, it's quite a complicated process because it's a very creative process. Sometimes you get the music that's already bowed, like it's hard to explain, but you know we go up and down with the bows, but it's actually a lot more to it. It's an expressive of um, medium, the bow is. So you have to uh, do the bowings in such a way that the music is expressed correctly with the right articulation, right dynamics, right speed, everything. So the bowings are very, very important and very personal in some ways too. So um, I would edit all the music for the season, which is 
you know, how many concerts they have, right? And uh, so that would usually take my summers, and then throughout the year also some music would come late so that that would have to be done. The other thing is uh, the concertmaster plays all the solos and sometimes plays as a soloist with the orchestra, so like a specific piece of music, like a concerto, or some some pieces like the Scheherzad by Rimsky-Korsakov, which they're playing this year, actually. Um, so Shelley Camp, who is now the concertmaster, she's going to play the solos. So I, I played that a few years back. Um, and then there's this personal part of being a concertmaster, just like a leader, uh, kind of like a manager in a way. You know, you're dealing with with other people and so you have to have a rapport with other people and you also um, are kind of a, a liaison between the conductor and the orchestra because the conductor is often not a string player and in addition to uh, making suggestions to playing there are also some interpersonal things sometimes you have to discuss um, personal things and auditions um, so it's kind of a, a little bit of administrative part but it's mostly playing um, but it's it's a great position. It's it's like the, the best of all worlds because you get to kind of coach sometimes even. Like, you know, if if the conductor requires for you to talk about how we execute certain sections, then I will kind of coach the strings on that. Um, and then playing in that ensemble of just collaboration, the, the sound is beautiful. So, But I love to be um, kind of in the leadership position. I enjoy that energy of a leader. And it, and I can see why you can like. There's other things you couldn't do just by the. This just sounds like a lot of work in terms mm -hmm. of being involved in every step of the way of sure. of, of a program and a season and all that. Yeah, very mm -hmm. involved, very mm -hmm. involved. And I was also on the board of the symphony as well. You don't have to be, but I enjoyed being part of that that group of uh, people as well, as well. Yeah, as as kind of the the musicians representative, rep representative yes. mm -hmm, yeah, mm -hmm. which imp an important voice. Mm -hmm. And then so teaching. Um, so you had your own experience teaching. What about kind of working in the university setting here? How did you see what were some kind of the different issues that American students had coming to you in terms of either challenges or or strengths that you saw, you know, in the in a broad sense? Um, let me think back. <laughs> uh, I've taught pretty much since I was in, in graduate school, but it wasn't always like consistently, consistently at the university. I did teach at uh, University of Southern Mississippi for a little while and also at Millsaps College. Um, so you have so many different levels of players. Um, I especially enjoy, I, I love teaching beginners as well because sometimes students can even begin at, at the age of 19 or 20 and start learning violin. And that's, that's also a lot of fun. Um, at USM, for example, I taught students who are very advanced and I think they were all very um, enthusiastic and very willing to um, learn new things, but they're also very busy. So, so there's always that challenge. Like at the university, I was in kind of a, more of a conservatory situation, so I was more um, focused on music, even though I, my classes were, I wasn't doing as well <laughs> in my classes. But um, I guess the university in America makes it really difficult for the musicians because they have so much besides the music. And music is really, if they are going for a performance degree, um, that takes so much energy and time. When I was at Peabody Conservatory, now that was conservatory, so I did not have to take any classes besides 
couple of classes, like music theory, history, and I think I took um, some religion or something. But I can't imagine being at a university and then trying to be a professional performer. It's just hard. It's um, So there were some challenges with them, just personal things. You know, I'm tired or I didn't sleep because I had this test and I can't prepare. Um, so it's a challenge, but uh, I was there to help and um, inspire them, hopefully. So. Yeah. This is Larry Morrissey. Thanks for listening to the podcast version of the Mississippi Arts Hour. The show is broadcast on MPB's statewide radio network on Sundays at 5 p.m. For access to all our past shows, please subscribe to the Arts Hour on your favorite podcasting app. Hi, I'm Walt Grayson. You can now listen to the wild, weird, and wonderful stories of Mississippi with Mile Marker. Some of the big names that travel up and down the highways, obviously Elvis and Johnny Cash, and you have Jerry Lewis, Carl Perkins. Join me as we hit the roads of Mississippi on Mile Marker. Johnny Cash suggested that Carl write a song called Blue Suede Shoes. That was all kind of created with Aaron Amory. You can listen by going to mpbonline.org slash radio or by using your favorite podcasting app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. We're back for our final segment of the Arts Hour. I'm Larry Morrissey, and our guest today is Marta Schnabowska. She's a violinist and a group leader here in central Mississippi, a former, the former concertmaster with Mississippi Symphony Orchestra, and now leading some of her own groups, and we're going to be talking about that. Well, let's get into that now. So you, you've recently left MSO, and you're out on your own, and it's a, it's a new Marta and a new world out there as a <laughs> soloist and a group leader. You've had many groups over the years uh, working with family members and other symphony members. So what are the break out the ones you've got going right now? <laughs> I know there's so I'll many. Try. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so I have a duo with my mom, Danuta Shlubowska, who is uh, still playing, playing very, very beautifully, and we ha- we had some recitals last year in Fairhope, and we're gonna have some more s- some more recitals. I'm also uh, pairing up with a couple other pianists. Um, my pianist from Chicago, who uh, you heard the CD, part of the CD, um, just a minute ago, Svetlana Bielski, we're planning some more music, Polish music and some Ukrainian music, probably. Um, and then also I have some concerts in February uh, in the south part of the, uh, well, actually in uh, Alabama, in Mobile area. Uh, if any of you are there, February 12th and 13th, I'll be performing with um, Benjamin Rawlings, who is a pianist in that area. He teaches at... Pensacola State College, and we have some concerts there. So we're going to be doing uh, some Beethoven and Prokofiev and Szymanowski. So I'm really excited about that because that's a new collaboration. Um, I also have a string quartet, which uh, most of the members stay the same, but we do have occasional uh, turnover. (laughs) We call it Mississippi String Quartet. And uh, the last couple of years, we've done some projects together, uh, especially the Polish music. We did a Batsevich project. Um, Grażyna Batsevich was a Polish, a half-Lithuanian, actually, uh, composer. Uh, she died in 1969, and she wrote seven string quartets. So we're kind of slowly going through them. And we're also going to learn her piano quintet this year with Stephen Sachs from Belhaven, who used to be the chair for the Belhaven. Uh, so I'm really excited about that. Um, 
We don't have the actual dates yet, but uh, please check the website, www.martashlubowska.com, and you can check for concerts there. You can also contact me there if you have any questions regarding lessons or concerts, um, hiring my group or, or myself. Let's see, what else do we have? Um, oh, I have another wonderful group called Marta Shlubowska Ensemble that's been around exactly 10 years now. We have, we're celebrating 10 year anniversary. I started that group with my father, Janusz Shlubowski, who was a concert pianist, but he also played accordion full, like pretty much full time. So he and I were talking that I wanted to have a group that I could do some more solos with. And then he said, well, we need music. We need to start something. So. Uh, we also involved accordion in that group. So it's called Marta Shlubowska Ensemble, and it's actually part, um, we're on the roster of Mississippi Arts Commission, as well as myself, by myself. So I have like two, two positions there. And we've been getting some grants. Um, so if you hear that name, please join us. The music is usually very um, light and somewhat entertaining because we, uh, my dad and I really loved playing uh popular music and classical light, light classics. So like, for example, the program would include uh, Vivaldi Seasons, but then it would have like tango, El Choco tango or Jealousy tango or uh, Dvozak humoresque or um, gypsy music, you know. So we really love sharing that. People tend to clap along, sing along. They can even dance if they want to. And um, we had a little bit of a break with COVID but we're back. We had some concerts in May and um, and May and June. So we're going to have another concert coming up next month. Um, we kind of started something really fun. Uh, it's more of a private kind of concert series, but people can get on the list. So if anybody's interested, please uh, contact me via my website. Um, what it is is house concerts, and we've we've had now four concerts at beautiful homes uh, on the reservoir. We're going to have another one. It's going to be at the Jackson Country Club in August. And this is going to be Marta Shlubowska Ensemble. So if you'd like to be part of that, there'll be a charge, a ticket charge. Um, but um, it sometimes has food and, and wine. It's, it's a really beautiful opportunity to meet people in the community. And it's also close. So people get to talk. We get to ask, they get to ask questions. And it's a really wonderful opportunity. They've really loved it. We had a First concert was in February, and then we went like almost every month. Um, so we're going to do more of that this coming year. Let's see what else do we have. Um, go ahead. Well, let's, uh, you know, so now you've kind of gone into this next phase of your career as a musician. And I was hoping you could kind of give people a sense of, you know, what the day-to-day -day is like. I mean, I, w I, I hear, you know, at the Arts Commission, people are like, oh, the arts, that must be so much fun. You know, <laughs> it must be fun just, just hang around and, you know, think about the arts or whatever. And I'm sure musicians and other creative people get the same kind of like, oh, it must be fun to just, you know, yeah, play yeah. your violin all day. You and know? and so, also, oh, you're doing this for fun? Uh, like you don't get paid or you don't yeah. you don't treat it as a work, as a job. And, and many, many times we don't. Uh, get paid in a sense we don't get paid for practicing i mean we practice hours a day sometimes a lot of hours um but maybe walk us but, through a typical not so week much, kind yeah, of like what it would be like for you just because you you're, you're booking yourself right now you're right you're rehearsing you're running you're running these groups mowing like, the lawn yes. okay yeah sure yeah <laughs> why not yeah that's you um uh, yes i spent quite a bit of time on the computer unfortunately i i I have, fortunately and unfortunately, but I, I do enjoy the booking part of it. I'm still learning how to do it. 
and I'm I may possibly get I'm, I get help from a couple of people um, to help me with my YouTube channel and um, some social media. I may need some help with that because I'm doing what I can, but sometimes I just don't have enough time to practice if I get so bogged down by by contacting people. And I, I really love that part of it. But um, recently I really decided that priority is my practice and I've got to you know, put everything else in its proper place. So, um, so I practice, you know, three or four hours a day, ideally, and um, and then a couple, several hours on on contacting people, uh, being on the phone or tweaking my website or making videos. Uh, when COVID started, I did every day. I did a video for about sixty or seventy week, seventy days. Oh wow! Yeah, um, on my YouTube channel, and then I. Uh, I asked some help from a gentleman, uh, Steve Watson, who who has a, a Watson Arts Media organization. He's actually on the roster, Mississippi Arts Commission roster as well. Mm-hmm. Steve has been a great help to me with Isn't my... Is like a bass player? Yes. Right? Okay, yes, yes right. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. He plays with the symphony as well. Yeah. But he's been a great help to me regarding my new YouTube channel. We started a new YouTube channel called Musical Moments um, with Marta. And uh, we have some educational videos there. I recorded about 20 lessons um, from kind of easier to, to harder. And also topically, like I recorded some cadenzas from concertos. So cadenza is like a middle section that's solo. So I recorded those because I didn't have orchestra in my accessible. And uh, dances and, and caprices by Paganini. And so I'm doing all these different series on the, on the YouTube channel as well. And... Um, I think I've, I wanted to also mention that the quartet from the past, I think I didn't finish. The Mississippi String Quartet, I wanted to acknowledge uh, the quartet project we just had through Mississippi Arts Commission. We did a string quartet by Grazina Batsevich and kind of a discussion. So that video is also on my YouTube channel, Musical Moments with Marta, which is um, with my wonderful colleagues, Milena Rusanova, Rebecca um, Miller, and Ashra yasinovich Jute. So I'm appreciative of their work with that. You're listening to the Arts Hour, and our guest today is Marta Shlubovska, and she's a violinist and a group leader here in central Mississippi. Um, I also, before we get away, you, you there is a next generation of, of musical talent in your family as well. Yes, yes. In fact, uh, talking about education, I'm so much for music education. I, I educated my own daughter. <laughs> My parents also were a big uh, part of that um, because we lived very close to each other. So my parents and I and my daughter, Julia Kirk, um, were very much uh, an ensemble. Actually, we had an ensemble together, Ensemble Polonaise. And until she grew up and she went off to college. So she's actually now at Rice University finishing her master's in viola performance. And she was selected um, to a very prestigious uh, festival, which she is... um, right now attending in Taos, New Mexico, it's Taos Chamber Music Festival. Um, and they work full-time on chamber music. So she's in chamber group like six hours a day wow. being coached by uh, prestigious quartets. And so she loves it. She's really, that's kind of her favorite thing is chamber music. That's amazing. But um, she also promotes Polish music as well. She played Batsevich Viola Concerto this last semester for her graduate uh, degree uh, recital. So I'm very proud of her. <laughs> And you were her first teacher, but I think you told me when we were talking earlier that you you qu- quickly realized that she needed to kind well, of go Well, actually, along. I was her first teacher 
first I taught her Polish language, how to read. Yeah. Then I taught her some piano. I, I was the only pianist in the family because my parents were in Poland still at that time. So I taught her piano and then we went to violin, first on like a cereal box, you know, kind of thing. Um, and I taught her violin for a little bit. And once we moved to Mississippi, um, it got to a point where we weren't really that um, disciplined. So my dad actually suggested that we need to find a teacher. So it was Vince Massimino, my friend from the symphony that was her first teacher. So we really appreciate him. Well, that must be so uh, gratifying, though, to see kind of your interest and your parents' interest move on into the next generation. Yes, I have to say yes, <laughs> very much, very much. Well, let's so so walk us through again. You you've got you've got multiple groups and what and you you also are trying to kind of build your I guess your business as it were as a solo performer too, and that that takes as a soloist, excuse mm-hmm, me, mm-hmm. working with ensembles. So is that something that like how do you how do you go about that? You know, you you have your past experience. I guess you can show them and and that in terms of right. Well, um, that was always my first love was solo performance concertos with orchestra. That was my first love. Chamber music comes really close to that. I really love chamber music, and orchestra comes next to that. But you know, you gotta have you have certain preferences, right? So we all have preferences. Um, I have uh, quite a few contacts on, over the years, you know, with symphony orchestras all over. Um, and when I was uh, at different places, I would make more contacts and I would usually play with several symphony orchestras in the region. When I was teaching uh, in Seattle area, I played with all the orchestras there, different concertos. And um, here I played quite a few times with Mississippi Symphony Orchestra and some other around in Memphis. So, um, yeah, it's not easy without an agent because uh, agents kind of fight for you, you know? (laughs) And I used to have an agent. um, I don't know if that's the thing now. I need to research that more, but I'm in touch with several conductors and we're talking about, um, you know, what's coming. Um, So we'll see. And with COVID, you know, everything kind of was put on hold. So I'm starting, starting a new, in a new place and also with some new some challenges because things have been closed some of the series have been closed for example so but life is exciting and sky's the limit so you just keep digging and keep keep meeting people and it's been really fun um these last two years that i was kind of on my own i've realized that i really enjoy this unpredictability well, it's very inspiring to see an artist kind of take on a whole new, you know, after, you know, you're an established, you know, performer, mm-hmm. but to, to kind of take on a new thing and try to go out on, on yeah, this new Yeah, see adventure. how much else I can do. Yeah, you know, it's really own. neat. Yeah. It's really neat. So if people are interested in, in learning more about you or your groups, where should we send them? Um, I think the best way would be to go to my website, uh, www.marta, M-A-R-T-A, Shlubovska, S-Z-L-U-B-O-W-S-K-A dot com. You could also go to the Mississippi MSOrchestra.com until they put me in a different uh, location when I, right now I'm still listed as a concertmaster, so you can still find my bio there and my website link and all that. Um, but yes, just going to my website is the best. You go to contact page and you can write me there. Um, I'm on Facebook too, but I don't know how many people want to. And Some people on, listening probably know me on Facebook. And you're on the Arts Commission's Artist Roster. Yes, So there's yes, another spot course. to come, a, a quick, easy Correct. way, arts.ms.gov. You can find her on that list of Mississippi uh, 
Mississippi-based artists who so are available. So that would be under Marta Shlubowska or Marta Shlubowska Ensemble. Uh, both of those are listed. And interesting about um, about MAC, Mississippi Arts Commission, I, I need to appreciate show, show my appreciation here, uh, is that you can get grants, organizations can get grants for the artists like myself or the group, matching grants. Mm -hmm. And the deadline is uh, October between October 1st and November 1st. So if you wanted to hire me, let's say, by myself or with the String Quartet or with Marta Shubovska Ensemble, you, and you are an organization, um, you can apply for those grants um, starting October 1st. If you want to hire us, uh, uh, you're not an organization, you just contact me on my website and uh, we can talk. So. Marta, thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to this MPB Think Radio podcast. MPB depends on support from listeners, so if you can, please contribute today at mpbonline.org. On Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, an associate professor of preventive medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app.